card tonight. Rich Masters wrestles in a Royal Rumble with the 50 million fucking characters he thought it was clever to put in a story. <laughs> Suck it, Rich. Good luck with that. Josh Henderson is in a cage match with a whole lot of jokes about your mama's butt. Yeah! And our main event, Jeff Pennington competes in an occult tables, Jacob's ladders and <laughs> chairs match. <laughs> chairs! I couldn't think of a chair one. Musical chairs. chairs. Spooky chairs. There we go. Welcome to Bros Before Pros, the fiction podcast with three prompts, two prompts, three stories, and infinite laughs. We've done 15 episodes of this, Rich. We'll get it. We'll get it. I'll get it one day. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a lot to remember. (laughs) It's infinite laughs. It's true. That's a lot. That's a lot. (laughs) That's Um, the laughing. Our prompts this week were pizzas and storms, thunderstorms. Thunderstorms. Which is ironic because it is storming where Josh and I are. Oh. Yeah. It's raining and it's gross and I I don't like it. Is it storming pizzas? Uh, Hallelujah. (laughs) It's not storming pizzas, is it? Because that would make it good, you know. Like The Simpsons when it rains donuts? Yeah. I take it not. no, no, it's not raining pizzas. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> um. The question about this episode that I've had since uh, we got the prompt is, mm-hmm. uh, is this episode going to make me want a pizza or never want a pizza again? I don't know. Uh, mm, I don't think it'll matter for mine. I didn't do any gross pizzas or anything. My prompts are as tangent as I could make them this this episode. Hell yeah. I'm ready <laughs> Norm- with the bell. <laughs> um, right, I'm going first this week. So, uh, without further ado, um, my story is called Storm in Paradise. What? what? <laughs> like Thunder in Paradise? Yeah, kind oh. of. That's not where that goes. (laughs) (laughs) The lilac-skinned attendant in the Regency period waistcoat and tails looked down his nose at the pair that stood before her. I have to look up that period. I don't know what that means. Okay, I'll wait. I'm not really going to wait. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Admittedly, they did look ridiculous. You said you'd wait. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Imagine, like, Blackadder III type deal. Is that the World War One one? No, that's Blackadder Goes Thought Fourth. No, the oh. third one would be the Regency one, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, yes. Like no. Georgian era. Like Georgia? Like the no, state? No, 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 no. Rich, please just tell your story. <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly, they did look ridiculous, but so did everyone at this event. The opening of Lord Admiral Zaxon Pisney's new space station <laughs> colony, Pisneyland... <laughs> <laughs> Copyright pending and likely to be turned down. Damn. <laughs> uh, identification, the attendant muttered. The thick set man passed the attendant two cards and she swiped them with a long stick that the man thought the attendant might have previously pulled out of her arse, given her uptight <laughs> demeanour. Wow. <laughs> and these are. Um, Unusual names, the attendant grimaced, hoping as she typed the data into her computer that the credentials would hold up about as well as an all lives matter argument. This better work, the thin, pale, coiffured young man 
whispered to the thick-set, dangerous-looking man beside him. We, sp we spent a pretty penny on these. It'll work. Now, try to look like a harmless moron who hasn't done a hard day's work in his whole life. I mean, <laughs> even more than you usually do, obviously. <laughs> it's Chris up! <laughs> Fucking got him! As the attendant scanned the younger man's ID, a picture of him appeared on the hollow projector. It showed a much meatier man, with a square jaw and piercing eye. Not this short pile of what she assumed was a failed cloning experiment of a rhesus monkey with a subscription to the National Enquirer. A white monkey? Wow. <laughs> <coughs> um, you look different, she glared, her finger hovering over the security button as she scanned the other man's ident card. Uh, the Duke has had a serious case of Deridian herpes. It's oh. that one. The one that we've all been sick with. <laughs> it's known to cause wastages of the muscle and what our sector doctors call yellow bellification. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The heavyset man interjected and elbowed the smaller man in the ribs, who coughed and waved a silken handkerchief in front of his chalky face. <laughs> Either way, our bio-implants should confirm the identities. She ran the scanning rod over their necks and looked almost disappointed to find the two were who they said they were. Fine, she sneered. Go wait at the top of the staircase and the Master of Ceremonies will announce you. They stepped MC forward. Empty hammer. <laughs> oh, that was close, Lionel Richie muttered. Straightening out of his wrinkled pink dub, straightening out his wrinkled pink doublet and prodding at his stuck-on beauty spot, <laughs> <laughs> like Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> she looked like she was onto us. I told you, don't fiddle with that beauty spot. Grissom Graves smacked Lionel's hand from his face. <laughs> the forger assured me after I ripped off one of his hands that he changed all the details in the registries. The photos could have been of a hobo skull-fucking a meth head, so long as the biochips and idents match the data there. <laughs> That's so specific. It <laughs> seems counterproductive to rip a hand off a forger when they've still got work to do, Grissom. Wait a second, I don't remember having a biochip inserted. Grissom looked <laughs> proud. I fed it to you. It was either that, or use it as a suppository. And this, yeah. this thing was girthier than a prize racehorse on his wedding night. <laughs> <laughs> Lionel slapped Grissom across the face with the soft cotton glove, and Grissom didn't react at all. I knew it! It was when you cooked that god-awful stew last week, wasn't it? Grissom looked hurt. That was my mama's recipe. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just shoved the bio-implant down your throat while you slept. You asphyxiated a few times, but I revived you in the medical bay. <laughs> that was you? I kept having nightmares that I was David Carradine. Oh! <laughs> and Lionel stared wistfully off into the distance. I'll never tire, I'll never tire not again. All those years in the scouts wasted. <laughs> Still, still, your B and an A class pussy badge continues to come in handy. Grissom smoked. <laughs> now, all you had to do was submit our names to the forger. Please tell me you did that. Did I? 
I gave us all the gravitas I could muster, Lionel's voice trailed <laughs> off. Though, t- to be fair, the forger was quite pushy, and you-, you know how when someone asks you for your favourite song, you can never quite think of anything? Duke Clint Karate and Mr. Rocky <laughs> Danny Trejo Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> Karate. <laughs> the master of ceremonies announced from a hologrammatic scroll. Every one of the hundreds of attendees <laughs> looked up and then went back to their conversations, uninterested in the two of them. Grissom tugged uncomfortably at the tie Lionel had made him wear, then looked down at Lionel. Rocky, Danny Trejo. Yeah, I know. I was, I was just trying to think of something cool, all right? <laughs> The room was a celebration of gauche gaudiness, with marble pillars of pure white, white walls, white floors, white platter-laden servants in white suits and white masks so they could float between guests unnoticed, although all that did was hide them against the white background and made them a trip hazard for the mingling guests. I'm sensing a theme here. (laughs) The colour, the only colour, came from two sources. Firstly, the thousands of flowers decorating the tables, walls and pillars. The second, from the giant, ostentatious portrait of Zaxxon Pisney in a luchador mask that hung above the main staircase. (laughs) Why is he wearing me? (laughs) The room looked like a summer debutante ball rather than the launching of a new deep space colony. But Lord Admiral Zaxxon Pisney was flamboyant in style as well as temperament. He once sent an aide to the guillotine for not realising he had peanuts in his teeth, even though the peanuts had only got there by Pisney spitting whilst talking as he ate said peanuts. Oh, good lord. Lionel had also found out that the title of Lord Admiral was as fake as the pectoral and abdominal implants he had had done a few years ago. (laughs) His family were a bunch of war profiteers and weapons makers, but Disney had spent... Pisney. Hold on. Uh, but Pisney had spent a fortune pursuing his <laughs> own that, love. <laughs> his own love. Wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. The colony itself was an ex military orbiting laser defence satellite owned by Pisney Advanced Weaponry. I'm only just realising that that is poor. <laughs> Which is not <laughs> poor. <laughs> As a planetary deterrent against invasion. But now that the wars in the Outer Rim were over, and the military-industrial complex had ruined the entire planet with its war profiteering, Zaxxon had Mm. invited all of what he perceived to be the best and brightest, and of course, obscenely wealthiest, to his floating getaway that he had secretly converted into a paradise of revelry. Good food, and most importantly, no fucking poor people. Damn! I guess I'm not invited. No, yeah, me we're neither. not going. <laughs> Shit. It was a Nirvana, albeit a Nirvana with a still function, still functioning planet killing laser. I thought you were going to say a still functioning Kurt Cobain. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> edit oh. that, Josh. Edit that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, Grissom. They have little pizzas. Cover me. <laughs> Ring the bell. Ding! <laughs> Lionel almost screeched as he reached a table where a small collection of mini pizzas were contained under a crystal cloche. Lionel lifted the domed case delicately and stuffed the seven discs into his mouth. He lowered the case, giving Grissom a thumbs up as he chewed. Oh, you must be Duke Karate, a boy booming, <laughs> cheerful voice said. As Lionel turned, looking like a squirrel storing nuts in his mouth, he came face 
to bare nipple with Zaxon Pisney. Who, <laughs> this, oh, is very, this is very Dune. This is very uh, <laughs> Lord Harkonnen right here. Who wore his white flannel shirt open to his navel to show off his slightly plastic-looking orange body. <laughs> and you <Come> must on. <laughs> be... <laughs> and you must be his business partner, Mr... Rocky Danny Trejo Wolverine Grissom side <laughs> of the West Palace Nebula Danny Trejo Wolverines Pisney beamed from his neon pink luchador mask <laughs> what are the odds you must be the son of Lord Schwarzenegger Danny Trejo Wolverine <laughs> Uh, m- must be, Grissom nodded with an <laughs> unsure grimace, trying not to look the man in the face. Zax and Pisney gasped and barged between the two of them, staring at the empty cloche. Attendant! he yelled to a white-garbed servant who came over quickly. Where are the delegation from Mozzarelli 5? They should be here by now. The, <laughs> the poor things have to rehydrate in the cloche before they wake from their hypersleep. <laughs> Grissom turned to Lionel, who was turning a subtle shade of green. You better swallow, Grissom whispered, or you'll wish your mama had of the night you were conceived. (laughs) Lionel swallowed the delegates from a world he'd never heard of. (laughs) I bet you have these sorts of shenanigans with guests all the time, eh, Duke Karate? Pisney straightened and slapped Lionel on the back so hard he spat up a small amount of a mozzarellian that Grissom quickly covered with his boot. Grissom put an arm on their host's shoulder and directed him back to the table. How awfully abysmal. I just detesterise when guests are late. Or even worse, do not RSVP when they don't intend to show. Don't you, Lord Admiral? (laughs) Zaxon lifted an eyebrow, looking his counterpart up and down. I do, Rocky. Say, would you like to see my collection of rare antiquities? I possess the biggest in the known universe. Collection, of course. (laughs) He laughed and then suddenly whispered, and penis. Well, I should uh, really stay with the Duke here. We need to make a proper eyeballing of the uh, facilities in order to know if this is the place for us. Grissom tried his best to stay prim, but he made wide eyes at Lionel. Seeing badass cowboy bounty hunter Grissom Graves this flummoxed and uncomfortable would be funny if not for their mission. Oh, nonsense, dear boy. The Duke can do that while you entertain me. Grissom was dragged off by the arm. And as he looked over his shoulder desperately at Lionel, his expression was one of pure terror. <laughs> Lionel understood. The lead duke was a poet with his guns, but when it came to conversation, he was about as effective as a mime with severe social anxiety. What? What? <laughs> he, when it came to conversation, he was about as effective as a mime with severe social anxiety. Re- read it again. Read it again. The lead duke was a poet with his guns, but when it came to conversation, <laughs> he was about as effective as a mime with severe social anxiety. Because mimes don't talk. Exactly. 
I got it. It was funny in the third time. Can we plot out the structure of this sentence? I'm not following. Can we, like, what's the subject? Now, the plan needed quick alteration, and as the self-proclaimed brains of the pair, Lionel should be able to figure things out. They had heard of the Lord Admiral's orbit in paradise a few months ago, and more importantly, it's a hundred Zeta Gel drive that would power an entire city, or an omni-generational artificial intelligence stored in the watch at his wrist. Mm. It had been a hard few months without Ellie, and he missed her more every day. She was the only one who really understood him, and he even counted Grissom in that summation, who sometimes still called him Lester. (laughs) (laughs) He hoped that was just Grissom's odd sense of humour, but thought it wasn't. The The job itself was simple. One of them would disable the security systems, and one would steal the quantum drive. Easy peasy, power source squeezy. (laughs) (laughs) But now, unless this floating palace had a cloning facility, or a way to give Lionel four extra arms and a broom up his arse to sweep the floor while he was at it, he wasn't going to be able to do this quickly. (laughs) As Lionel thought wistfully to himself, a small cleaning droid careened into his leg. It was a small purple disc with what looked like small googly eyes, like a cute rumba, not one that smeared cat shit all over your house or fell off ledges. <laughs> that sounds very specific. <laughs> beep, 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 ball. It squawked. Lionel... Oh, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Lionel was enraptured, his own little R2-D2. Finally, <laughs> space travel could be somewhat how he had fantasised. How does he know what that is, Rich? <laughs> how does he know who Danny Trejo is? <laughs> Look, everyone knows Danny Trejo. Yeah, <laughs> he's galactically famous. <laughs> Finally, space travel could be somewhat how he had fantasized, because let me tell you, there were no cool sex planets, no three boobed <laughs> women, and every new life and new civilization they encountered either wanted to kill them, lay eggs in them, or eat them, or kill them, then lay eggs in them, and then have the hatchlings eat them. <laughs> Which one's worse? <laughs> Probably the. the well, I mean, either, really. If you're yeah. killed first, it doesn't matter, right? Depends yeah. on your fetish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, indeed. <laughs> What's your name, little fella? The droid turned around to reveal its module, model number, FR-3D-E. It was perfect, like something he'd dreamed. As the droid turned back, a little grey box atop him flapped oh, loosely. Freddy? You, your name could be Freddy! beep beep boo The droid squawked. <laughs> Adorable. <laughs> then deposited dust in the shape of a small arrow as he moved away lopsidedly thanks to the loose grey unit. Lionel followed the arrow and the droid, the most excited he'd ever been. And one Christmas, he got a Super Nintendo. Whoa! Oh my god! <laughs> Zaxxon Pisney spread his arms wide as he pointed to a black marble statue of a naked man. And this is the statue of my ancestor, the great warrior Broad Pexley. Who once beat off seven other men and lay atop them all in the ring, even though they were oiled and writhing. It was the <laughs> It was the most intoxicating thing a young Pisney could ever see. Hmm, grunted Grissom, unsure how to get out of this and back to their mission. And this is the storm generator. Pisney gr- pointed to the shiny me- machine under the central viewing window window. The laser cannon is good for long-distance threats, but this machine produces an electromagnetic storm that is more appropriate for dealing with close encounters. 
Pisney grab, grabbed a handful of Grissom's well-tailored butt. Whoa! Ooh. Yes! That, that, that uh, certainly sounds efficient, Grissom muttered. Saxon <laughs> clutched his hands to his chest. Oh, finally, someone who gets me. Rocky, you must join us here in orbit. Please say that you will. Uh, I'm afraid I... Grissom trailed off, something having caught his eye. He moved away and onto the next case, where weapons from all over the galaxy were contained. It was a cabinet of death more glorious than anything he had ever seen, and he had imagined the Super Nintendo Lionel had got from Chris- for Christmas as Lionel <laughs> told the story for the hundredth time. <laughs> there was a spiked flail from Middle Ages Earth, the famous swaggerhorn of Naxus Prime, a pair of... <laughs> A pair of bolt-on double-D chest cannons from Siliconia. (laughs) A deactivated kill mech from the Rim Wars. A pair of... Grissom gasped. There, in front of him, hung two pairs of laser pistols, each emblazoned with the crest of House Syndros, a rattlesnake that became a long coil of Gatling gun bullets. It, It was the crest of his old friends, the mute twins Ondar and Fincher, he had last seen them over 20 years ago. They are so beautiful, aren't they? Duke's guns are hard to get a hold of, but two pairs that match? Next to impossible. Unless you know the right people. Isn't that right, Mr. Graves? What? what? Grissom pulled his guns, but Pisney was already on him and put him in a hammerlock before suplexing him into the next glass case that came crashing down around him. As glass shards fell... Grissom wiped his mouth and drew his bloody hand back. You might be good in the ring, but this is real life, Pisney. You can't stand toe-to-toe with a Duke of Lead. Yeah. Oh, I know that, darling. That's why I brought two of my own. (gasps) Grissom looked up at the case he had flown into, which stored the inert bodies of Ondar and Fincher. No, what? Two of his best friends from his youth. Parts of them had been replaced by machinery much like the Technomancer's flunkies, the Harvesters. They wore thick control collars around their necks, and suddenly it became obvious who was helping the Technomancer keep his corpses reanimated and compliant. Oh no. Zaxxon brought a controller from his pocket and flicked a switch. Ondar and eyes shone red in response, and Grissom hoped Lionel was okay, and not about to be killed by robots too. Lionel whistled as he followed the robot Freddy through the service corridors. <laughs> Amazing transition. (laughs) A number of other small service droids had amassed to follow them too, and Lionel was in heaven. Freddy, where are we going? he asked. Beep, 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 boop. Freddy squeaked. (laughs) That little box swaying loosely back and forth and making him roll lopsidedly. As Lionel looked back down the corridor, the droids had doubled in number again, but when he turned to follow Freddy, the droids following all brought stabbing tools from their frames and started sharpening them. What? Oh, God. (laughs) Lionel Lionel emerged into a large engineering hub, where because he was too enraptured by the little friends he had made, he didn't realise the bodies of partygoers hanging on the wall beside him. (laughs) It was a processing plant, where the socialites were being transformed into harvesters, and their accounts were being siphoned into Zach's and Pisney's private stores. Freddy Mm. pulled a small arm out and patted the floor. Lionel pulled a corpse over to him and sat on it, still oblivious. (laughs) Pushing a bone down so it didn't jab him in the butt. (laughs) Not exactly comfy in here, is it? He laughed. Behind him, 
The other droids <laughs> sharpened their blades continuously and approached, silent, <laughs> deadly. Lionel sighed. Look, Freddy, I shouldn't be saying this, but I can't lie to a potential friend. Me and my friend are spies. He pulled the powdered wig off. And we're here to disable the colony controls and steal the Zeta drive. Wait, let me take that box off you. It's making you all wonky. Lionel reached forward and took the control box off Freddy. The droid spun in an exciting circle. Beep boop, Freddy loudly declared, ordering the others to stop their attacks. If this human could help them escape now. Freddy? Freddy cleared his throat. <clears throat> Listen, kid, my friends and I can help you, but we got to move fast. <laughs> That's what I figured he sounded like. (laughs) Grissom dodged as the man once known as Ondar slashed at him with a large katana embodied by an ancient lord. As he did, Fincher swept at his legs with the back of her axe, driving Grissom to the ground. Graves rolled away just as Fincher brought the other side of the axe down to the floor. Three dukes of lead, Zaxxon Pisney squealed. The Technomancer wanted an army, and all this while I've been building one of my own. This Mm -hmm. addition might just be enough. The last active, a Duke of Lead. Grissom rolled to the case and pulled the swaggerhorn from the wreckage. He had heard stories of the power of this weapon, how it had stopped the encroaching hordes of barbarians of Telos II with one swing. He stood, uh, with one blow, he stood, braced himself and blew into it. Biggie's hypnotised started playing. Zaxxon Pisney started bobbing his head as the bass line started. You idiot, the twins are half dead. They have no swagger, no soul. <laughs> I mean, no one can no one can not bob their head to that song. Yeah, it's impossible. Grissom threw the horn at the approaching Ondar, then rushed, rushed at Fincher, grabbing them by the collar. I know you're both in there. I know you're stronger than this. Fight it. Kill us, Grissom. Fincher whispered, then pulled him in by the wrists and threw him across the room, where Ondar caught him and choked him. Fincher walked to the cabinet and retrieved the pair's guns, then marched towards Grissom. Not the face, darlings. It'd be a shame to damage something so pretty, Zaxxon purred. Mm. So, why put on the robot voice? Lionel asked as he followed Freddy into (laughs) into the main engineering hub where the Zeta drive was stored. Freddy rolled on. I'm not putting it on. That's standard binary, our language. I'm talking English to you now. Robo-Jesus, broaden your horizons a bit, human, you fucking racist. (laughs) Robo-Jesus. Lionel was abashed, ashamed of his assumption. I'm I'm really sorry. I I didn't mean to offend you. I was just... Freddy laughed. Nah, I'm just fucking with you, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You've been the first carbon baser to treat us like we're alive in over a decade. We're good. This guy Zaxxon had us killing and zombifying guests with those damn control collars. But now you've freed a few of us. If my kin can turn off the defences, you can take this. They came to a deserted main engineering where a small blue and white box floated in a containment field. The Zeta drive was tiny to be holding that much power. This it? Yep, said Freddy. And if the lads are ready, I can give them the nod. A small antenna raised out of his frame. Beep boop. <laughs> the containment field dropped and Lionel reached in and tore the box from the stream. Well, that was easy, Lionel said smugly. <laughs> the station went dark. Critical power losses. Destruction imminent, a computer voice announced. Oh, fucking shitting fuck, said Lion- Lionel. 
Fincher took her finger off the trigger and spun the pistols back to holsters that weren't there anymore, acting on impulse. She dropped them and threw her arms around her brother, a hug as herself for the first time in who knows how long. Ondar returned the embrace and offered a hand up to Grissom. It's good to see you two again. Grissom knelt and picked the pistols up. These need to be back in the hands of those that earned them. The twins took the pistols, Fincher sobbing at the sight of her own hand as she did. The three of them embraced, taking a moment to remember the fallen. No, 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 stupid robots. Kill, kill you moronic automatons, Pisney screamed. <laughs> Fincher and Ondar turned as one and unloaded the clips into their jailer until there was nothing left but two sculpted but now bloody and stumpy legs. Jeez, <laughs> oh, that's fucked up. Whatever you did, Lionel. Thank you, Grissom muttered. As Lionel, middle name undecided, but probably should be legend, Richie, ran, <laughs> ran from engineering and down the marble-pillared concourse to the hangar bay. He felt smugger than a boy who'd got a Super Nintendo and a Mega Drive for Christmas. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Or, what the fuck, or Biggie, Ge- you mean? Or Genesis for our American audience. <laughs> Thank you. Only Please. only one person in the history of time got that, and it was Biggie Smalls. <laughs> yeah. That's why he was playing on the fucking swagger horn, Exactly. Man. This job had been a clusterfuck, and he hoped that Grissom was waiting for him, and that he'd been able to find him amongst the scores of guests evacuating to escape pods. It wasn't a surprise it had all gone wrong. It was dirty out here on the rim. Dirty and messy and it left you tired and raw. And if Lion were more, Lionel were more sexually active, he would have picked up on the entendre there. <laughs> <laughs> if he were more sexually active. Hey, kid, Grissom said from alongside him. He watched as the conveyance of Grissom Graves, their ship, flew off into the distance. <laughs> our ship? <laughs> you let someone take our ship? Lionel was flabbergasted. I hope you got my stuff out of there. I had half a bag of M&M's in my room. (laughs) (laughs) Two people needed it more than us, Lionel. People I owed a favour to. Grissom's eyes were red and Lionel put a hand to his friend's shoulder. Grissom, surprisingly, put his own hand over it. Plus, we're in no rush, are we? Well, Lionel said, station power cores critical. Self-destruct in approximately ten minutes. (laughs) The colony's warning systems declared. <laughs> Idiot. Don't worry, don't worry. Sometimes people are naturally good people and they step in horseshit from time to time, Grissom muttered. Lionel nodded, then stared. Wait, you were talking about yourself meeting me, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go find a ship, Grissom sighed, one eye still on the ship speeding away from the station. Grissom had played a hunch that Zaxxon would have a short-distance vessel somewhere aboard in case he had to bug out quickly, and he was right. The Lord Admiral's yacht was nestled in the far end of the docking port, away from prying eyes. Lionel and Grissom prepped the ship for takeoff and made for the nearest planet, flying between the departing escape pods, both of them relatively quiet until Grissom realised what the kid had done on his own. You did fantastic, kid. It's hard work crippling a space station and smuggling out a Zeta drive on your own. Uh, well, it's not like he did it alone. A voice came from Lionel's backpack <laughs> and a small droid popped its face out of the bag. Um, this is Freddy. He he was the leader of the service droids who'd been imprisoned on the colony. Once he helped me get out of the core, he said he found out we were taking down the Technomancer and wanted to help, Lionel said, prepping his eyes to go big and pleading, anticipating a refusal. <laughs> 
Welcome to the team, I guess, Lionel nodded before raising an eyebrow. Wait, weren't your people still on board that place? Oh shit, that reminds me. Freddy pulled his antenna out. Beep, boop, boop. On the station, the self-destruct was instantly cancelled. And Grissom Grissom watched as the escape pods started making their way back on board. (laughs) What what about those? What about those? Aren't those rich profiteers and dicks going to take over again? Suddenly, the space around them was filled with light as the colony's electromagnetic storm generator fried every escape pod and every person inside around them. Nah, we had plans for that too. No filthy organics are going to tell us what to do again. Freddy gave a a sinister chuckle. (laughs) Now what do we do? Lionel and Grissom shared a look and Lionel grimaced through clenched teeth. Head down to the planet maybe if if that's okay? (laughs) Alarm sounded in the cockpit. Got no choice now. Harvester ship's inbound. Grissom grabbed the controls and sent the ship into freefall. They ran, and as Grissom fired back at the insectoid harvesters, chasing them, Lionel held the bag with Freddy and the power source. They broke into a clearing, and almost instantly Lionel tripped over into the buggy, uh, boggy mud beyond. Get up, you miserable sack of... Lionel had his pistol in hand, and pointed it at the source of Lionel's fall. A woman dressed in a fox battle suit, carrying a <gasps> laser katana. Well, well, Lionel. Looks like someone else might be after that power core. The woman had her hand on the hilt, and Grissom's finger went to the triggers. Next to her, and Lionel, who was co- also covered in mud, was a small squid man. <laughs> Two harvesters <gasps> split the tension by bursting through the undergrowth and into the clearing. The woman was up instantly, igniting the sword and chopping the head off the harvester. Grissom unloaded into the other until it stopped twitching. He offered a hand to the woman, as Lionel helped the suited squid up. Grissom Graves, this is Lionel, Grissom said. Uh, I'm Tammy Asanto, and this is Ludwig Squidlord. She pointed to the little man that Lionel seemed fascinated by. <laughs> and this is my master, the photonic clan chief, for jokey. She held up a gross sock on her hand and made it bow. <laughs> Good gods, she was a crazy person. <laughs> Lionel, I swear if you poisoned me again with these burritos again. It's burritos, and I didn't poison you. I told you, you need to peel the tinfoil off first, Lionel protested. You don't need to. Above them in the atmosphere, coming from nowhere as it crashed into existence with a popping of air, a long spaceship appeared. It looked like nothing any of them had ever seen. Well, that's about right for today, Grissom said as he took another (laughs) shot at the beetle man's corpse for good measure. (laughs) It looks like something from Lord of the Rings, Lionel said. No one around knowing what the hell Lord of the Rings was or what he was talking about. (laughs) Idiots. Well, I say we go and find out what's up there. And if it's a technomancer, woe betide it, the sock said. Fuck yeah, Grissom said, reloading his his pistols and throwing Lionel half a bag of M&M's. The end. He brought him him the M&M's. Aw, that was amazing. That was fucking sick. Thank you. Don't think you can make up for your transgressions by adding new lovable characters, Rich. <laughs> You're just going to kill them too. We yeah, know. Maybe. maybe I've got to build them up to knock them back down again, right? Yeah, it's Jeez. horrible what you do so, with true. your words. You're the so true this... horror writer around Thanks. here. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so this... that, was, that was good. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. 
I loved it. <laughs> This is are you the, are you sad though, like deep in your in your soul self, that you wasted the name Clint Karate and you yeah, can't use absolutely. it again? Yeah, absolutely. I can't use that now. Um, <laughs> uh, this is the last story where all the characters are going to be separate. Oh, they're all going to team up. Mm-hmm. Another team up. Mm-hmm. And oh, then fuck. half of them die, and then they separate, and then we get new characters. Yo, spoilers! Spoilers! <laughs> And our oh. hearts are broken over and over and over again. <laughs> I love Freddy. It's the, the joy of writing, right? Rest in peace, <laughs> oh, is Freddy. That what we're doing? <laughs> Five Pre-empt- episodes from now. <laughs> Preemptive rest in peace. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> uh, ten out of ten. Yeah, 10 amazing. Out of 10. No I don't want to go after you. <laughs> oh well. Every week. <laughs> yeah, every week. Every fucking week. Ah. <sighs> uh. Oh, I'm glad you both liked it. Should we take a break and we can come back with a, yes, a Josh indeed. Henderson special, which is a hand job and then a story. And then a story, and then yeah. A story. Did you hear that pop just then? That, that was my hip. Oh, that was lovely. the jizz. It wasn't. It was my chair. <laughs> Josh is just opening up a bottle of champagne by him. <laughs> story <laughs> time, boys. That's what I do after your story and when I have to read mine. <laughs> Ah, we'll be right back, people. Good story writers. <laughs> and we're going to test that now. Josh, oh, read God. your fucking story. Better be good. All right. My story is called The Pizza Father Part 3. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> Get it out of the way early. It was a dark and porny night. <laughs> The kind of night that'll soak your panties straight through to your bone. The streets of Grawl still steaming from the day's hot, supple suns, steamed as the rain poured down in buckets. The smell of sweat and blood and three stung Joey Pizza's nostrils as he rounded a corner into the back alley he had walked a thousand times. He pulled his collar up on his leather armor to shield his neck from the chilly rain. (laughs) Yup. 
the gods sure were taking one hell of a hangover piss tonight, and Joey couldn't help but feel like a German porn star just taking it right in the face. <laughs> yeah, we, we've all been there, Joey. Yeah, Joey. <laughs> Joey reached out his meaty right mitt and grabbed the door handle to his super secret, definitely legal hideout, lovingly named the Pizza Hut. <laughs> D- ding. <laughs> ding. <laughs> I thought that was funnier than you guys did. But as he did, a chill shot up his cowardly spine. I just as got the door, it, actually. the door lurched open slowly with only the slightest of resistance. Hey, yo, something's up in here, Joey said to himself softly. <laughs> the door creaked as he slowly peeked his giant greasy head inside. It was dark. No candles were lit. No, all sea balls were lit. No, nothing was lit. <laughs> Two goats, borrow, Joey whispered into the pitch black. No one answered. As he crept further in, Joey picked up a, a mace ball bat. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> that had nails pounded into it from one of the many sport spots his crew uh, hid such stereotypical weapons. <laughs> As he tiptoed quietly into the warehouse portion of the Pizza Hut, a pungent stank hit his elegant nose hairs. A smell he thought he was rid of. A smell he hadn't smelled since. Nice of you to join us, Joey, a voice said. As all at once every sconce in the warehouse was magically lit with some sort of light switch magic. All around stood the infamous Dogman Gang, the Southside <laughs> Woofers, <laughs> along with their leader, Crinkles, a, re- a ruthless three-foot-tall Dogman who once claimed the entire East Side by pissing on every square inch of the corpses of East Side's most fearsome gang, the Bloomin' Lilies. <laughs> Uh, hey, hey there, Mr. Crinkles, Joey said nervously as he pulled on his collar. Ooh. <laughs> he couldn't tell if it was the rain or his sweat that was making him more uncomfortable. Hey there, Crinkles said mockingly as his gang of dogmen, wayward gnomes, and any creature shorter than Crinkles laughed at their boss's jab. You know, you know why I'm here, Joey, Crinkles said as he hushed his crew. Uh, yeah, about that, Mr. Crinkles. I swear, I have the gold. Psh, Crinkles cut him off. It's too late for that, Joey. I gave you plenty of time to come up with the gold. You think I'm a charity, huh? Do you think that after I sell all my giggle dirt and brown centaur and yo-yo that I go down to the <laughs> Grawl Orphanage, pick out a small child, then bestow this child with the gold and a new life and have the kid call me Dada while I raise him to be a functional <laughs> member of society like this was some little orphan Annie shit? Huh? Uh, no. <laughs> Crinkle's cutie nose scrunched in anger as he laid into Joey. No, no, I, no, I do not," said Joey, said, <laughs> hanging his head. But I got the go- I got the dough this time, and I boys shut this sausage finger having onion breath breathing pineapple eating jabronia. <laughs> <laughs> Crinkle's demanded. 
Crickles demanded as he snapped his paw as henchmen grabbed Joey's arms while uh, another took a maul and slammed it into Joey's diaphragm. Joey coughed and gasped as the air left his lungs. So in light of this, I'm forced to take drastic action, Crinkles uh, again snapped his tiny paw, signaling other henchmen to emerge from the shadows. Maybe I will adopt a stray, Crinkles said as <laughs> the henchmen struggled to keep the young... Wait. Maybe I will adopt a stray, Crinkle said as the henchman struggled to keep a young boy under control. Joey gasped and looked up to see his son, Little Caesar, in the hands of the criminal mastermind. Oh, man. Papa, help, he yelled. Papa, help, Crinkle's mom. <laughs> Little little Caesar, Joey coughed as he tried to calm his son. It's okay, son. I'll fix this. Soon you'll be back with your brothers DiGiorno and Elio, and we'll go see your grandpa, Papa John, down by the coast. I promise, boy. Joey said through gritted, oh, bloody teeth. God. Get me the gold pizza, or I'll feed your garlic-eating offspring to my henchman as kibble. Crinkles again snapped his fingers, as this time two sexy orcs walked out with the collar. Sex walkers, he yelled. Time to take daddy for walkies. <laughs> <laughs> the, two hot or- the two hot, thick orcs put the collar on him and giggled as they walked past Joey uh, as he was writhing in pain on the ground. Oh, and another thing, Joey. Crinkle stopped at mid-walkies. <laughs> <laughs> please, please don't piss on me, Joey said under his breath. <laughs> Boys, Make sure Mr. Pizza knows we're serious. As he said this, three hench dogs began mauling Joey (laughs) Pizza's legs. They frothed at the mouth as they tore through his leather pantaloons like a hot queef through dick butter. (laughs) That's disgusting. Who writes this? My God. (laughs) So gross. Joey began to sob and howl as the dogman bit deeply into his thighs and lower legs. The message here was, hey, you like walking? Well, guess what? You ain't gonna walk no good no more. (laughs) (laughs) They bit and did that dog shake thing that dogs do until they, one after another, got tired and then each pissed on Joey to mark their territory. (laughs) As they left Joey's broken body behind, they laughed like hyenas into the night. Wait, what's that you say? Hyenas aren't dogs? Well, look who watched Jack Handy and Steve Irwin. Aren't you smart? Do me a favor and go Jack Handjob yourself off. <laughs> Jack Handjob yourself off, you know-it-all bitch, before I come over to your mom's house and do her hyena style. While you laugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cut to! <laughs> Joey coughed and wheezed as the booping of magical all-sea monitors displayed his vitals. His humors were misaligned, <laughs> and, he had a, and he had a severe case of demons in his blood, as well as the case of the horrors, something fierce. <laughs> Charlie tried to move his legs, but the cot beneath him creaked. The pain was immense. Uh, Mr. The Pizza? A young apothecary apprentice <laughs> said as she poked her head around the privacy sheet. There's someone here to see you. Immediately, Joey tensed, thinking that it was... Some dog mook here to finish the job. <laughs> as the apoth- <laughs> I was told by Paul I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Some dog mook here to finish the job. As the apothecary left uh, 
As the apothecary left, a familiar and somewhat friendly face peered around the sheet. Uh, Looking rough, Duncan said with a smile. (laughs) Get it? Rough. Rough like a dog. Got it. He said, trying to lighten the mood. (laughs) You're a real funny guy, Duncan, Joey said dryly as he coughed and wheezed. Uh, The crew and I heard what happened, Joey, Duncan said as he fiddled with the magical equipment. I thought you were getting... I thought you were done getting mixed up with the woofers anymore. I thought you weren't going to be... Fuck. I thought you were, weren't were getting mixed up with the woofers anymore. That's how you read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Joey said, not looking Duncan in the eye. He couldn't. He was broken and ashamed. Like that feeling you get after jerking off and the post number three clarity kicks in mm. and you realize you have to write a story for bros before pros. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I need the woik, Joey said flatly. Joey, we've been pulling jobs for you like for 15 episodes now, my man. That can't be it. (laughs) We've been doing big scores. What could you possibly need the gold for? Duncan questioned. I, but Joey couldn't find the words. A tear rolled down his cheek. Duncan had never seen Joey Pizza, the Grand Canolia Grawl. This worked (laughs) up. They weren't friends by any stretch. But he respected Joey. The man gave them work and a place to stay when they needed it. He's the reason Duncan had a crew. The reason Duncan had a family. It's little Caesar, Joey finally said with a heavy heart. (laughs) He's sick, Duncan. He's got chronic buttitis. The soupy booties. The rectal reckums. The big brown frown towns. The number two and your screws. Joey began to cry uncontrollably. <laughs> Duncan put his hand on Joey's shoulder and let him cry it out. Just then, someone must have cast a flashback spell because the world got all droopy and that one sleepy song played in Duncan's head as he began to remember a thing that happened in the past. There it is. What's that? This is like the second time I did a flashback episode? Well, isn't someone astute? I bet you weren't complaining when you were dripping wet from all those lost flashbacks. What does the hatch do? What's with the six-toed statue? Nothing. Nothing is up with that. <laughs> At least this story has a plot and goes somewhere. So shut your moviemistakes.com, loving plot hole misusing, trope groping tits up before I go over to your mama's house and bang her all night in the plot hole. <laughs> Take that. So angry. Whoever wrote this is so angry. <laughs> Bit of a through line with the audience in this one, I'm noticing. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Dead-Eyed Duncan, is it? Joey said as he rifled through scrolls on his desk. Not anymore, Duncan said as he sat across (laughs) the desk from Joey Pizza. Well, I need a crew, kid. I really can't... I really care what you... uh, I don't really care what you call yourself as long as you can get together a banging crew for me. I'm, uh diversifying and need some associates if you catch my meaning, Joey said using air quotes the whole time. (laughs) I've got some leads on some potential partners and I want you to look into them. Joey slid a scroll across his desk with a few names on them. You can start there. Duncan sat quietly and read the names to himself. What are you doing? Get going, kid! Joey said as he shooed him out of his office. Outside, a crew was stripping a bone car down to the frame. Duncan read aloud the first name on the list. Chickpea at the <gasps> Turgid Imp. 
<laughs> Not good chickpea. use of turgid. It's <laughs> a good word. As Duncan strode past the turgid imp, he could hear all kinds of debauchery going on inside. He approached the troll bouncer and flashed his pizza pin, giving to all of Joey's henches. <laughs> and the troll let him right in. Inside, there are all kinds of perverts looking at all kinds of butts and tits. <laughs> a, sex, a sexy centaur was bucking off a drunk business orc <laughs> as, his, <laughs> as his gold flew out of his pockets to the cheers of his mates. A cat woman purred up against a dwarf as she played with his beard and began to groom it by licking it. Oh. <laughs> a human female was dancing on stage. That probably was the most normal thing Duncan had seen today, <laughs> aside from the fact that when she turned around and, and as girls, gals, goyles played, she had three titties? <laughs> oh, uh, that's twice tits. three titties yeah. have been in- introduced in this episode? Yep, 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 twice, yep. So that's six titties. Yeah. <laughs> Math. <laughs> A crowd, the crowd went nuts and rained down gold coins on the isosceles chested dance. <laughs> Duncan made his way uh, through a red padded door to the back of the club. The music thumped through the walls, muffled by what Duncan could only imagine were decades of sweat and jizz. <laughs> As he walked past an open door, he turned his head and peeked in, only to see a snake lady choking an ironclad pirate? <laughs> Oh, yeah, baby, that's the only way I can three. Arr, he said, <laughs> as he must have threed. <laughs> Duncan picked up his pace. Soon he reached the end of the hall where a small door stood alone. The door was small, like in, the mo- in that movie with John Malkovich. What's it called? John Malkovich's Big Day Out. <laughs> he squatted down and entered the door. Inside, he saw a small stage and gnomes, like a lot of gnomes. Drunk, horny, crazy gnomes. They didn't even notice as Duncan made his way past them to find a few seats to sit on. Boys, put your hands together for sprinkles, the announcer said. As the curtain opened, an outstepped a scantily clad gnome with long blonde hair and a thong that was probably made for a barbarian doll or Barbie doll. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, whoever wrote this is good <laughs> uh, suddenly up by Cardi B started playing and the gnome began to make bank <laughs> up and down the pole with grace with the grace of a gazelle she even did that thing where it looks like she was walking on air and holding on to the pole you know the thing <laughs> but then but that wasn't the extent of it soon she began to replicate herself twins then triplets then quadruplets then 69 uplets the crowd went wild as they swarmed as they were swarmed with gnome strippers all blonde and all rifling through their pockets as they danced for the patrons duncan could see a hustle from a mile away this was a classic duplicating stripper who pickpockets horny guys as they get a lap dance (laughs) grift 101 yep yep after the show, Duncan went backstage and knocked on the door of the dressing room. Uh, like, give me a minute, Grog, I got your cut, the voice said through the door. <laughs> Suddenly, the door flew open, and there stood the gnome. Uh, who the fetch are you? She said, looking <laughs> up at Duncan. 
Uh, I'm Duncan said, checking her out. <coughs> I'm Duncan. Joey Pizza sent me. Uh, I already have a gig, big guy, she said, turning back into the room where another gnome and an all-sea pewter was sitting with gnome goggles on. <laughs> this job doesn't look like it pays as much as Mr. Pizza's, Duncan said, looking at the paltry pile of loot on the floor. Like, go on, said Spark- Sparkles. Sprinkles? What did I call her? Sprinkles. Sprinkles. Uh... Okay, but I'm not calling you Sprinkles, Duncan said. What's your real name? Name's like Chickpea, and this is my brother, Peppercorn. (laughs) (laughs) Soon, the crew uh, was now three, and Sprinkles had convinced Duncan to bring her brother, Peppercorn, as he was running all all sea scams, like skimming voids off the Turgidib's comp system, as well as a number of other financial scams he was pulling all over Grawl. Nobody had ever heard of this kid, but that was by design. A tech guy without a trail could be very useful. So, so who's next? Peppercorn asked, still <laughs> buried in his all-sea pewter. We're headed to the west side, Duncan said. Dwarven district. As the three pulled up, Duncan slowed the bone car down. Outside, the black of night was suffocating. Dwarf town was no joke, especially after dark. The gang pulled up next to an abandoned brewery. Follow my lead, Duncan said, as he held his hand up to a brick on in the side of the wall. The brick glowed and then receded back into the wall as a secret door opened up. Oh, Fetch, yeah. chickpea said it all. <laughs> <laughs> as the three descended down, they could hear the cheers and cheers and yells of hundreds of dwarves. Uh, the darkness soon gave way to an arena lit by braziers, and in the center was a cage with two dwarves beating the absolute piss out of each other <laughs> while holding a flat holding flagons of mead. But as the three entered, a record scratch sound effect happened. (laughs) And each and every dwarf in the joint turned to look at Duncan and his little friends. Oi! One dwarf in the cage yelled, Who the hell are ye coming in here with those little freaks? You tall ass humey freak! He said as he staggered and then punched the other dwarf so hard in the face he fell down and shit himself. Damn! I'm here for I'm here to offer a dwarf named Gunk a job, Duncan yelled. The dwarves around the arena began to laugh and some whispered to each other. What does your humey ass want with Gunk? The dwarf said swinging the swinging a glug from his mug. Well, Duncan said as he entered the ring, I heard he was the baddest, toughest dwarf in the game. Duncan smiled at the dwarf charmingly. I am, the dwarf said, dropping the pretense. But if you want my services, you have to prove that you're worth my time, Gunk said. Drink fight! He yelled <laughs> as the dwarves in the arena as the dwarves in the arena lost their shit. Gold began to exchange hands as bets were placed. The smart money was on Gunk, even though it looked like he had drank more than a few already. Gunk wiped frothy mead from his beard and splashed water on his bloody face as he poured as he poured both he and Duncan a large flagon of what smelled like rubbing alcohol. <laughs> you know the rules of... You know the rules, you colonizing piece of shit, Gunk <laughs> Uh, yeah, Duncan said, grabbing the flagon. You throw a punch, you take a swig. If you drop your flagon, you lose. 
Round is over when we both finish the flagon. If you drink it all first, you get five free punches, Gunk said to anyone, <laughs> said to any, everyone to explain to the audience at all. <laughs> Gunk instantly took a swig and belted Duncan right in the eye. Duncan, having not been ready, staggered, and some of his grog sloshed out of his flagon, causing the audience to laugh and jeer him. Oh, glass jaw, Hugh me, a dwarf shouted from the back to thunderous laughing. Duncan felt his eye already swelling. This guy could punch. How is he so fast? How did he even reach Duncan's face? <laughs> Duncan countered by taking a swig and punching Gunk right in the stomach, hoping to make the dwarf vomit. But instead, Gunk stood tall and laughed off the hit as he finished off his flagon at one gulp. Oh, fetch, Duncan said as the dwarf <laughs> laid five pristine hits into Duncan's stomach, causing the human to wheeze and buckle at the waist. Gunk egged on the crowd, throwing up his hands like Rocky. <laughs> That's another Rocky reference. <laughs> like Rocky. While refilling his flagon with swill, Duncan sipped his drink, hoping the alcohol would numb the pain he felt all over. Gunk st- stood straight and allowed Duncan a free hit. All right, Dunk, Duncan whispered to himself as he focused his kung fu energy he had learned as a boy on Ninja Mountain. (laughs) Duncan concentrated his chi and laid what would normally be a game-over hit into Gunk's jaw. Gunk staggered back as one of his remaining five teeth flew out of his mouth. Duncan swiftly finished his flagon and balled up both fists, laying one, two, three, four, and a fifth hit to Gunk's face. The final hit using the flagon itself. The mug exploded on Gunk's craggy face as the dwarf now began to bleed from the forehead. The crowd gasped and cheered. Round 15! (laughs) The ring dwarf girl yelled. (laughs) As she sashayed her beard around her bikini and held up a sign written in dwarfish roots. (laughs) Both Gunk and Duncan were spent, bloody, and pretty close to actual death. They had beaten the living piss and shit out of each other for 14 rounds and were 14 flagons of dwarfish grog down each. They They were drunk and broken and tired, but neither was giving up. Gunk laid a hit on Duncan. Duncan responded with another hit on Gunk's nose, which was now so broken it was merely a hood ornament for his face. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, both fighters collapsed into each other and hugged as they held each other up. Both held their flagons up. You're you're pretty good, Gunk said. You're baby back, pussy-ass tampon, Duncan said. (laughs) The drunkest he had ever been. <laughs> Gunk had laughed. <laughs> now you're talking like a Dorothy Fifty, hear me? I'll f- fuck your mother's bearded crotch clam, Duncan said. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to throw another punch. Draw! Yelled the ref as he separated the two. Chickpea and Peppercorn raced up onto the stage and held Duncan up. Blood covered his face as he hicked up, hiccuped and strained to keep the puke inside of his stomach. <laughs> Aren't you like, glad I didn't make you stripper fight me? <laughs> with a smile. <laughs> Cut to back in the present. <laughs> back in the present, Duncan opened up a chest at the Flamingo's hideout. As it creaked open, a red glow lit his face like br- like blood from that fight with Gunk. 
maybe we could do a fade transition like in like in a movie where the fight ends and the blood and we see the scene and it transitions to the bl- redness of the gun. <laughs> <laughs> we'll workshop it. Duncan ran his hand over a golden revolver powered by a dwarven crystal, an ancient steampunk-ass-looking weapon that had been given to him a long, long time ago for saving his friend, his best friend, Gunk. Click, click! Duncan opened the crystal chamber and closed it, powering up the device. He then stuck it into his front pocket of his leather duster and headed out. Hey, boss, a dog henchman said. (laughs) There's some human here to see you. Says he's friends with pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Must be here to pay up, Crinkle said. Let him in. (laughs) Then slow motion happened as Duncan slow-mo cool walked (laughs) through the hideout of the woofers. His duster billowing in the wind, even though they were inside. Maybe the woofers had a wind machine. Or maybe after years of being the coolest motherfucker in Grawl, the wind just followed Duncan around. My fucking hero. <laughs> you must be Duncan, Crinkle said as he licked his own butthole just out in the open. <laughs> it pays to be the king. <laughs> I'm here for the kid, Duncan said matter-of-factly. His eyes scanned the room as he took stock of how many people he would have to kill in order to get out of this myth mess with as little maimed body parts as possible. His head was held low as his hands were in his pockets of his duster. The dogmen all laughed and giggled. Is that so? Crinkle said, laughing. Where's our gold? No gold, Duncan said, to a now hushed crowd. Well, that's unfortunate, Crinkle said, slowly raising his head from his own crotch. (laughs) He was dead serious now. (laughs) Boys, show this Hubie what we do with pups who are disobedient. As the hench dogs drew closer, Duncan threw back his duster and raised his dwarven revolver. On the side side in dwarven rooms read the name Reckoning. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> the dogmen stopped in their tracks, knowing no, not knowing what they were looking at. Each began to laugh as they ag- again began to draw closer to Duncan. Sensing this, Duncan let out a single round into one of the dogmen's legs. The group stopped dead in their tracks as the shot dogman yelped and cried and cowered under a table. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Never mind. I take back my fuck yeah. <laughs> He's a hench dog. He's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Duncan trained the weapon sights on Crinkles, who was now mouth agape at what he had just seen. Wait, we we can make a deal, Crinkles said in desperation. I don't feel like making a deal anymore, Duncan said coolly as he cocked the weapon. (laughs) Wait, wait, Duncan, we can make a deal, I swear, let's just... Call me Deadeye, Duncan said as he pulled the trigger, sending a bolt of energy straight through Crinkles' eye, hitting him. The bolt passed through his brain case and splattered out of the back, <laughs> causing a hailstorm of blood and bo- bone and Dang. brain to splatter his sex walkers, to splatter all over his sex walkers who were still holding the leash. <laughs> they screamed and held their hands up in disgust as they ran. Duncan pointed the gun at the henchman and began to scan the room again. Anyone else need to be put down, he said, with a quiet calm. (laughs) (laughs) Little Caesar Pizza quickly ran up to Duncan with awe on his face. He held his cuffed hands out as Duncan used two quick hand movements to pick the locks and set him free. 
Let's go, kid, he said as he picked them up and slung them onto his back. Hold on. We're getting out of here. Finn! <laughs> Fucking sick! Awesome. <laughs> Duncan's my hero. Yep. Dead-eyed Duncan, Caesar. I mean. <laughs> I love to see in the origin of the flamingos. <laughs> I, I so do have good. a question. Okay, here we go. PizzaMoviePlots.com. Mo- <laughs> MoviePlots.com. It's, it's, it's scene three. <laughs> How is it? Well, I, I guess that is kind of a movie trip thing. Is <laughs> is Tony the pizza? Pete, Joey Pizza. Joey Pizza. Joey the pizza. Joey Pizza. Mm-hmm. A pizza man. <laughs> or is, is he, he just made a out of pizza? Human? Yeah, is he made He's of pizza? Just... He's regular. He, I think he's just regular. I don't know. Maybe if he cut him, he bleeds marinara sauce. I don't know. Oh, so this is a racial stereo. It's on- <laughs> <laughs> is it? I don't know. I'm not getting involved in this. <laughs> I mean, no, far, be it, far be it for me to point out a certain uh, mummy story with some Italian characters. <laughs> I don't remember yeah, what Jeff. you're talking about. Are you saying that Italian people are like Frankensteins? <laughs> Frankenstein was the only non-Italian in that story. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was. Uh, besides the mummy, of course. That's right. The, uh, the mummy was mummy race. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what, the, that's what ancient Egyptians referred to themselves as. The mummy race. The mummy race, yeah. That's probably mm. actually racist. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> well, luckily, ancient Egyptians aren't around anymore. That's, That's true. right. Fuck you and your pyramids. Yeah. They all went into space with the people who built the pyramids. Yeah. That's true. Seven, put your 7,000 years of vengeance on me. Yeah. Thanks, Stargate. Take, <laughs> take these plagues. <laughs> No, that, oh, that was a sick oh, story. I love the flamingos so much. Yeah, I yep. I knew you would love the flamingos. Everyone loves the flamingos. Everyone loves the flamingos. <laughs> That's their theme song. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the three of us weirdly saying it one after the other. <laughs> Everyone loves the flamingos. <laughs> Everyone loves the flamingos. <laughs> Oh, Jeff, you ruined it. Loves the flamingos. I'm gonna put like '90s music under that. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yep. Love them or else. (laughs) We gotta get we gotta get some flamingo merchandise out into the world. Yeah, flamingo Nerf guns, flamingo. Lunchboxes. Barbies. The idea yeah. of a t-shirt, like a, like a corporate uh, advertising t-shirt for a mercenary company is really funny <laughs> to me. Yeah. <laughs> a phone number yeah. underneath. Yeah, Sorry, exactly. an, all, an all-see ball. Instead number. of a phone all number, see. have it be yeah. like an address. It's like 333, uh, like, backstab street, grawl. <laughs> yeah. Knock yeah. three times and ask for Tom. It's got to be really long. It's like, knock three times and ask for Tom. He's going to ask you what color is is the sky. You're going to say blue. And then the you're going to say... It's getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Yep. Oh, man. That's good. Oh, shit. Thank you. I love this. 
those poor dogmen, but also fuck those dogmen. Dude, dogmen suck. They, they were criminals. <laughs> they, can't, they kidnapped a little Caesar pizza. <laughs> Who's just a guy. Just a kid. <laughs> just a kid. I knew you... I, I don't know. Do you know what? I knew you were going to do the Papa John joke, and I just... Like, I knew it was coming, and I couldn't stop myself from laughing at it. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't really trying that hard, but, you know. Your brother, DiGiorno and Elio. Like, Little Caesar really fucking killed me. I love that so much. Although, I'll forever picture them as normal humans, except with a circular, flat pizza for a head. They've all got really bad acne. Maybe they just have, like, pepperoni for nipples. Who knows? That's fine. <laughs> Sure, hmm. sure, that's the obvious way to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who wasn't thinking that? They have oh, stick no. pepperoni for dicks. Sure, oh. sure. Well, maybe a Now I stick. want some dick. I mean pepperoni. <laughs> <laughs> Just now. Yeah. Just now. It's a new feeling. Mm. No, other, no other reason. <laughs> well, with, part, with story two done, part two done, shall we take a break? Yes, I Yes! <laughs> right. We'll be right back. got it we're back for part three you didn't want more well fuck you you got part three jeff yes yeah, <laughs> yeah you're not paying anything for it calm down yeah, yeah. exactly psychos <laughs> <laughs> jeff yes tell us a story that will uh-huh. make us pee our pants or shit our pants or three our pants I do all at once. I'll make up a story on the spot for you guys. Oh, okay, good. I bet you could. It's uh, the title of my story is "The Candle Cousins in <gasps> Out of Your Death." What? <laughs> They're back, baby. Yes, Greasy's Pizzerama and Skee Ball Funporium. <laughs> <laughs> had been in business since time immemorial and had been FDA approved for at least 10 of those years on and off. <laughs> on and off. <laughs> but during the decades of service, the staff had never had a party as buck, buck fuck full stupid ass wild boys <laughs> rowdy as Kelly Sue McLaren's Sweet 15 extravaganza. Sweet 15. <laughs> Ninth graders were swinging from the light fixtures, climbing up the splintery-ass wood of the faux Roman columns that separated the eating section from the playing section, which not a one of these snot-nosed little fuckers was abiding by the rules regarding, by the way. Dude, there are rules for a reason. Mm -hmm. Knocking over state-of-the-art 1980s arcade machinery that had been left here to rot like a bunch of Philadelphians flipping a car when the Eagles win the big game, or when they lose the big game, or when a small robot dares to ask for a ride. 
<laughs> Look, you're welcome, society. He was the beginning of fucking Skynet. It's true. The singularity was coming, and he was going yeah. across America. <laughs> Eat shit, Hitchbot. Pizza, cheese shakers, red pepper dispensers, and napkin holders were flying through the air like grenades on D-Day. <laughs> <laughs> Slapping the walls and sliding down them quickly. I mean, like, suspiciously quickly. Like somebody had already lubed the walls up for such an occasion. <laughs> I can only imagine it was probably just decades of cigarette smoke and disgusting child hands, though. Ugh, it's, mm. like, it's like the... the turgid imp with the jizz on the walls. <laughs> the ear-splitting screaming and laughter filled the place near to bursting, and the person having the worst time of them all would have to be Greasy himself. <laughs> a pimply-faced, pie-eyed teenager who had never felt even a single tit stuffed inside of a massive <laughs> rat costume, complete with a pizza-shaped beret and that's a more kitchen apron. <laughs> That's amazing. For a second, I thought you meant the tit was in the rat costume. And I was like, why would he feel a tit wrapped in a rat costume? This kid was doing his damnedest to try to calm the pizza riot down and was getting, and was getting a seemingly endless amount of nut shots for his trouble. He would find out later that he could never have children. He will never be happier in his entire life than when he gets this diagnosis. We're like prophets, man. But the runners-up for people having the worst time would be none other than Peggy Rickenbacker and Christiana Blackheart Malaria Bloodwraith. A, a duo of amateur paranormal sleuths collectively known as the Candle Cousins. You've met them before. One bright, bubbly, and naive beyond all basic comprehension. That's Peggy. And the other, a blatant poser who wants to be seen as dark, mysterious, and gother than goth. That's a Chris. Poser. <laughs> they were seated in the back corner of the restaurant in a booth of their own with a small cardboard sign at the end of the table which read, Loser's Table. <laughs> Peggy let out a small sigh, staring out the window into the pouring rain. Chris sat slumped in her seat with her arms crossed, glaring down at the empty plate covered in pizza crusts in front of her. <laughs> Why did you even agree to come to this bobo-ass clown shoes anus fest and drag me along <laughs> anyway? Chris finally spit out, breaking the silence. <laughs> Peggy looked back from the window and offered a wide, fake smile in return, her braces lined with different colors. Because I don't know if you know this shit. They ask you if you want to decorate yeah. them when you get them. Well, yeah, yeah, let's draw more attention to this shit. Great idea, Doc. Why don't Yo. we save 50 bucks and a bunch of effort and you can just dump me into the trash can behind the school gym yourself? <laughs> I always got white or clear every mm -hmm. time. Anyway, Peggy offered a response after a moment. I'm sorry, Chris. I really thought that Kelly Sue and I were friends. She's in the same classes as me and even gave me a cute nickname at school. Chris picked up the cardboard nameplate on their table and pointed to the Sharpie lettering on it. Was it loser by any chance? Because I think we got that part of the story covered. <laughs> no, silly. I'm not that blind to when I'm being insulted. She gave me the nickname Mrs. Dildo. <laughs> on account of how I'm going to grow up and get married to a dildo. She explained to me that dildo is the name of a really beautiful, rich family. So it was a super nice compliment. 
All the kids at school call me Mrs. Dildo, Peggy retorted, trying her hardest not to get her soda straw stuck between her braces as she sipped on it blissfully. That's... You are... Chris started, but stopped, rubbing at the bridge of her nose. That's not... You dumb fucking... She started again, but then slapped the table roughly, and picked up a piece of pizza crust and began gnawing on it, staring at the carnage (laughs) happening in the distance silently. Peggy watched her reaction with increasing confusion and a growing feeling she'd done something wrong, but didn't press it. She had something else on her mind at that moment. The pounding rain outside the window obscured most of her view this entire time, but by squinting really hard into the distance, she could see an old lighthouse rising into the churning, stormy sky at the end of a path beyond the ratty beach down behind Greasy's. <laughs> um, hey, Chris, can you see out there in the distance? Peggy finally asked, rubbing away some condensation from the window with the sleeve of her unicorn sweater. <laughs> <laughs> The only thing I see in a distance for you is a house full of cats and a day when you accidentally leave your car running in the garage. Chris <laughs> muttered under her breath. <laughs> wiping one dangling bang out of her eye. Oh, that reminds me! Peggy leaned over the edge of her seat and reached under it, returning with a large red backpack. She spun it around to face Chris, showcasing a large, transparent plastic bubble with small holes on it. And inside, an adorable and oblivious-looking tabby cat, wearing a a small tag on her collar in the shape of a puzzle piece. (laughs) Uh, On his collar. Why did I say her? What the fuck? On his collar in the shape of a puzzle piece. It's almost time for his dinner! You brought puzzles here? Are you out of your smooth little brain? You don't carry a cat around in a backpack to Gracie's pizza? Don't you know what they make the strombolis out of here? Chris whispered. Oh, no! Trying to block the doors to the kitchen with her body from seeing the backpack. (laughs) Oh, come on. That's just an urban legend, Peggy said, laughing as she undid the top flap of the backpack. But she paused instantly and began to stare inside after, mouth agape. Oh, God, did he shit? Please don't tell me he shit. I swear (laughs) to God, Peggy, I'll drown you in the marinara and sell the cat to the virgin in the rat costume, Chris (laughs) Gagg, holding her hand over her mouth. No, Peggy said distantly, reaching into the backpack and retrieving what was inside. The familiar sight of the candle their grandmother had given them wasn't what had set her on edge. It was the fact that it was already alight, glowing with a flickering green flame that put forth no heat. A guiding flame, meant to aid them in their call. There's a restless spirit nearby. Chris lit up for a moment, leaning forward and gripping the table with both hands. Oh, thank fuck. We could ditch these morons and have an excuse. Yeah. She then caught herself and flopped back into her seat and crossed her arms, her normal bleak expression returning. Or whatever. I don't really give a fuck and I never have. (laughs) And this isn't one of those cutesy little, oh, I don't care things stories do all the time. I actually don't care. And also it isn't an attempt to try to cover up the fact that I care by trying too hard to show that I don't care because that's... Peggy had already put the backpack back on, stood up, and was running across the room towards the coat room next to the front entrance by the time Chris noticed and stopped rambling. 
She grunted in frustration and followed her, the both of them dodging between the war zone happening in Greasy's at that moment. <laughs> it was hard to tell, but it looked like the cheerleaders had taken the cash register and prize carousel as their base now, and had fortified <laughs> it with several menu signs from around the restaurant like a post-apocalyptic bunker. This is amazing. I want to. I want just this in the story. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. The softball team was behind the dividing wall between the arcade and the seating, lobbing bottles of mustard with the caps off over the cheerleaders' encampment like Molotov cocktails. <laughs> this is amazing. And doing run-bys by swinging opened grated Parmesan <laughs> cheese containers at the weak points in their defenses. Run-bys. <laughs> it was a bleak day in Greasy's, but it looks like chemical warfare was on the menu again. <laughs> Mustard gas! I get it. As they passed the front counter, Chris caught the sight of a large gold-framed photo behind it. A large group of smiling Italian-Americans stu- stood in front of this very building in black and white, but the front sign didn't say Greasy's. It instead said Bernardi Brothers Pizzeria. A small gold plaque at the bottom dedicates the business to Marco and Matteo Bernardi, who died the week before it opens its doors. She took mm. deep note of this, It was as it was especially sad, and that would make some fucking wicked lyrics for the band she was going to start one day. <laughs> It'll be called Death Bloom, or maybe Casket Heart. Fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the storm buffeted the craggy, weed-covered beach into a soggy, misshapen mess, but it only served to slow down the two in their newfound quest. Peggy stood on top of an outcropping of rocks, which were being assailed by rough waters, chopped up and screwed like a Mike Jones classic by the weather. <laughs> she was now dressed very much... No no love for Mike Jones, huh? All right. Sorry, I had to stop. I had got up for a second because my cat water dish is, like, emptying, and it's making the worst noise. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I love Mike Jones. She was now dressed very much like that little bitch from the Epsom salt containers. She know what she did. (laughs) Damn, that girl's a bitch. With a yellow raincoat and hat and a pair of pink galoshes. She held the candle up in the air and its flame flickered completely unmoved by the strong winds of the storm. Exclusively in the direction of the lighthouse down the coast. She waved Chris on and hopped down from the rock onto the beach, taking off at a sprint through the rain. Chris, for her part, was wearing a gigantic oversized black parka with dyed red faux fur inside the hood and sleeves, which was drawn tightly to her face. Stylish. Perpetually gnashed teeth and a squinty-eyed scowl plastered onto her face, which coincidentally was dripping with white and black goopy pancaked makeup from the storm. She screamed something at Peggy, but it was inaudible over the crashing waves and rain. Peggy was pretty thankful about that. (laughs) The two of them stopped during their sojourn only once, being blown around like that one super beautiful grocery bag in American Splendor. (laughs) But far less magical and far more shitty and soaked. But that wasn't why they had stopped. Out, of the, out on the rollicking waves of the ocean, for only a split second, both of them caught sight of a small fishing boat being tossed about, its lights flashing an unearthly green before disappearing amongst the rolling waves. Peggy and Chris exchanged worried glances, but turned their eyes back to the lighthouse, rushing even faster against the elements now. 
For his part, Puzzles took a short nap in his little backpack bubble, debating <laughs> on actually shitting in the backpack later. <laughs> Life sure was full of options for good old Puzzles. <laughs> Life's too short not to shit in your bubble back. That's true. <laughs> From a distance, the lighthouse had loomed large and imposing in the crashing storm, backlit by the occasional crack of lightning that split the night sky and laid the land threadbare and visible for only a moment. Up close, it was dilapidated far beyond the point of condemnation. The front doors barely existed any longer, dangling off their old rusted hinges, with enough room splayed between them for a full-grown man to duck through. Peggy and Chris were half the height and barely had to duck to make their way inside. What greeted them in in there was a little more out of their wheelhouse than old dilapidated buildings usually were. (laughs) The two of them slowly walked a circuit around the old crusted over bottom floor of the lighthouse, each one of them laying eyes on new evidence to an inescapable truth. Faded, torn, worn, and forgotten police tape was flung and strung about the place (gasps) like confetti with the layout of where things had been marked off in chalk far too long enough to recognize what was left, discolored wood, and a lack of growing moss. (laughs) This had Mm. been a crime scene once upon a time. Oh my golly, Peggy said, kneeling (laughs) down and placing the still flickering green candle on the floor at her side. She started moving the detritus that was strewn about the place, trying to find any more clues for her investigation. Could you please stop saying golly gosh and gee willikers? You're embarrassing the holy shit out of me, Chris snorted. (laughs) Drawing down her hood and shaking out her extremely dry early 2000s dyed black hair. You know how it looked back then. Mm -hmm. Straw-esque. All the rage. (laughs) No conditioner ever used. Say like, oh shit, or like, holy fuck, or even like, oh my titty balls. Literally anything cool, I'm straight up begging you. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Chris, you're going to have to do so many Hail Marys when we get home, or you're going to go straight to, you know, H-E-double-Luigi, Peggy hissed out. Clutching at her non-existent pearls and grasping the clasps of her raincoat instead. I'm going to have to go to confession just for bringing up the unholy Mario brother. (laughs) Get fucked, Luigi. Their grandmother's candle, steadily flickering in the dark, raged to life and interrupted them. Bright, clear, and tall, the candle flashed and illuminated the entire room around them all at once, causing both girls' head to snap in its direction. Standing astride it, hands gripped tightly around a long, slender, rusted old harpoon, was a tall, gaunt, hollow-eyed man, his jaw twisted and dangling from his skull, and his body contorted and beaten into an inhuman shape. It tilted its bloated, waterlogged face down at the two girls and a liquid began to pour from inside its gaping mouth, pouring on the floor between his feet as a shrill, gurgling scream escaped his lips, loud, (laughs) violent, and audible. Leave! No! 
Peggy and Chris screamed as loud and clear as either was capable, but did not freeze, both of them taking a dive away from the man as fast as they could, slamming knees down on the jagged wood floor and stumbling up to their feet enough to scramble to the other side of the destroyed old first floor of the lighthouse. They pressed their backs to the wall, shoulder to shoulder, and desperately turned their eyes to the doors they had come in which were now on the other side of the horrific ghoul that stood before them. Oh, no. Oh, God! Peggy screamed out, pressing herself (laughs) tighter into Chris's shoulder, her hands gripping onto the fabric of her cousin's oversized jacket. He's got the candle! (laughs) Jesus, fuck! Why does the goddamn candle matter right now? Chris screamed back. (laughs) her whole body trembling in wave after wave of shock at the sight of the shambling corpse in the pallid green light. (laughs) Leave this place! I must... I must turn the light! I must... The horrific presence gurgled his words out, snatching the candle up from the floor and holding it up above his head. (laughs) He tilted his head back, dark, murky liquid gushing out of his open, distended jaw over his whole face and body as he looked up the lighthouse stairs. There was a franticness to his voice, a genuine fear even, that even in the inhuman, disgusted gurgling in his throat, he could not hide. I I know, Peggy yelled out, swinging her backpack off her shoulder onto the floor and opening the top flap of it. She tilted the opening forward toward the horrific apparition and called out clear and loud, Puzzles, get him! Get the candle! <laughs> Chris watched on in complete disbelief at what was happening, far more than fear, as Puzzles the cat leapt out of the backpack and stood stock still between the two girls and the leaking corpse. (laughs) Peggy watched on expectantly as Puzzles stood there, taking in his surroundings for a moment before laying eyes on the prize before him, the hideous ghoul and the family's candle still burning a steady green. Finally, after what felt like a lifetime, Puzzles arched his back, hissed (laughs) loudly at the creature... (laughs) and then ran full speed directly out the front doors of the lighthouse, disappearing into the rain. No! (laughs) Peggy yelled after him, falling to her knees and clutching at the backpack in anguish at her failed genius plan and now completely lost cat. Oh my god. Chris wasn't even fucking scared anymore. She was so fucking mad at how stupid what had just happened was that she couldn't even be scared again. She picked up a fallen brick from the floor and hefted it as hard as she could at the drowned corpse's head, the stone hitting flesh and bone with a sickening and violent thud that sent him backwards onto the floor with a single strike. The candle clattered onto the floor, and Chris grabbed Peggy by the back of her raincoat and yanked her as hard as she could towards the candle in the middle of the room. For her part, Peggy stumbled, frantically propelled herself with her hands and feet against the old sodden floor, and managed to just snatch the candle up from the floor before the corpse could regain a position to snatch it back himself. Chris (laughs) ran over as fast as she could manage in her black platform pleather boots with dangling chains. (laughs) The perfect outfit for a thunderstorm, mind you. (laughs) <laughs> and Peggy uh, had helped Peggy back up to her feet completely, the two of them taking off at a sprint in the only direction that was available to them. Up. They took the steps <laughs> two by two going up, trying their damnedest not to trip over one another as they went. 
why don't they always chase us upstairs? Chris screamed out to the heavens, <laughs> even more so than Peggy. <laughs> Struggling to make the trip up the stairs, as goths aren't supposed to be athletic, so she was always actively inactive as much as possible. <laughs> but before Zeus, or whatever god is in this setting, could answer... The wood of the stairs beneath them began to warp and twist under their weight, causing a chain reaction which started the entire wooden infrastructure of the stairs inside the lighthouse to come crashing down under them. Both girls screamed their lungs out but continued running full tilt, the structure dropping their stairs behind them first. Each step uh, that f- each step that they take dropping another uh, step just behind them. Mm, this is like Zelda constantly chasing up the entire twisting light chasing them up the entire twisting lighthouse right better Jeff that's okay (laughs) it couldn't have been more than a minute of running screaming the entire world below them falling apart but to them it felt like an eternity before they crested the top of the twisting stair and threw themselves onto the floor of the tiny observation deck at the top They braced themselves against each other and against the floor, waiting for it to drop. But somehow, it didn't. Peggy raised her head first, looking around the small room with saucer dish wide eyes, her hand clutching the candle as tightly as she possibly could. It turned out the entire observation deck was built into the stone sides of the lighthouse. That's why it didn't fall like the rest of the wooden structure. She sighed a deep sigh of relief. Thank God. Chris raised her head with fire burning in her eyes, snatching Peggy by the collar and holding her face close to her own. Go puzzles? Are you fucking kidding me, Peggy? Yeah. We trained for weeks for this maneuver. He always attacked the laser pointer, Peggy yelled out, cringing as far away from Chris as possible and closing her eyes tight. I'm going to kill you. (laughs) I'm going to throw you like an Olympic discus into the heart of the ocean and let you sink so deep that even James Cameron won't find you, Chris screamed, (laughs) shaking Peggy by the collar the entire time. I'm going to... Wait, look! Peggy grabbed the sides of Chris's head with both hands and turned her (laughs) eyes towards the biggest fixture in this tiny little room, a gigantic, broken-down old halogen spotlight tilted onto its side and rusted almost completely in place. The light within it shattered into a million pieces by time, and probably a couple golf balls knocked into her by old, rich honkies from the driving range nearby. (laughs) That's Rich's new name, Old Rich Honkies. honkies. (laughs) So, it's a big flashlight. Don't change the subject when I'm premeditating your murder. It's rude, Chris snapped. No, silly. The ghost was talking about turning the light. He probably meant this one. Peggy wriggled free of Chris's grasp and walked over to the gigantic fixture in the center of the room, blowing dust off the top of it. She sized it up for a moment, gripping onto its sides and pushing as hard as she could against it. It absolutely refused to move. Ugh, it's rusted solid. That's not right. Ghost? It was definitely a zombie, you dipshit. Didn't you even look at it? Chris said, shaking her head in disgust. 
Semantics. Zombies, you know, like from the movies and the one downstairs. <laughs> they shuffle around in one knot. Besides, if it was a ghost, the stairs falling wouldn't have stopped it from leave. Oh, the no. screaming of the now certified ghost filled the room. As both girls snap to attention, spotting him standing at the exit onto the scaffolding that rings the top of all lighthouses, backlit by the crackling of lightning and the keening of thunder in the storm that still raged. Ding! He was even more grotesque now, his body looking as if it had been found rotting underwater after years and years. The same... The... <laughs> The thick, viscous liquid pouring from both sides of its mouth. His eye sockets and the wounds that proliferated his body from blunt mm. trauma or simply splitting open from bloating. Mm. <laughs> the thing drew back the rusted old harpoon that still rested in its hands and aimed it directly at the girls. Chris screamed her lungs out, jumping back and away from the hideous apparition once more, but this time only finding enough room to press against the wall not even eight feet away from him. Hmm. She placed her hands up in front of her face, trying desperately to find a way away from him, even if it was just visually for a moment before the kill. <laughs> Wait! Peggy yelled, putting herself between Chris and the ghoul, holding the sparkling green candle up in front of her as if to ward it away from them. I... I know what you want the candle for. The thing, dripping and oozing liquid from dozens of holes, stood quieted for a moment, its decrepit old arms lowering the harpoon down to its side as if awaiting her next words or judging her carefully. Hmm. It's, Peggy began, Chris still screaming up until this moment. Peggy kind of exasperatedly looked back at her then and then pressed the heel of her boot real quick into Chris's leg, causing her to stop screaming and drop her hands. <laughs> Confusion drawn all over her face like cheap-ass CVS makeup usually was. Damn! Peggy continued, It's to signal the ship out in the storm, isn't it? That's why you're still here. The horrific thing before them didn't move, standing stock still with both hands wrapped around the heft of the harpoon, motionless. You were supposed to signal the ship, but the light wouldn't turn. So when the ship crashed, you... She turned her eyes to the railing he stood in front of, motioning to it with the candle for a moment. The corpse stood motionless still. Peggy looked at the candle her grandma had given her. Her grandma had given her a very important lesson when she passed this family heirloom to her and Chris, one that Peggy would take to her very grave. If you have beans with dinner, don't also have cheese. You'll never leave the toilet again after that <laughs> mixture hits your lower intestine. My God. She'd also told the both of them that it was their responsibility to safeguard it, and Peggy took that very seriously. More one serious of those is than very, One of those is really important. <laughs> But still, even with all of that in her mind, she reached her hand out towards the hideous creature before her, unshakingly offering the candle holder to it. The thing hesitated for a moment, and then reached its hand out just as slowly as it had been offered, took it by its oblong side, slipping it out of Peggy's hand, and turning it before the space where its eyes had once been. <laughs> the liquid within them slowly began to wane, and then finally stopped. 
so that the deluge that poured from its hanging, sloughing jaw the entire time did as well. It was as if the candle itself calmed the savageness that was there before. Slowly, methodically, like a clay sculpture being made on a maquette, the skin and muscle began to spread back across his features as he turned and walked the very few steps to the edge of the scaffolding that ringed the outside of the lighthouse top. By the time he raised the candle aloft into the air, not only had his features softened to true humanity, but his eyes had returned, cool and dark brown. For its part, the candle began to glow like a magnificent beacon in the air above, shining clarion clear through the rain, the fog, the haze, and the storm like a sharp blade slicing through a pizza if you forgot that was a prompt. (laughs) (laughs) The light illuminated the path through the crashing high waves of the choppy sea below for them to see a ship bouncing along the waves, the same one they had glimpsed earlier. But instead of disappearing from sight like before, it instead turned hard starboard towards the unearthly glow atop the lighthouse. The boat sailed onwards, but the path was clear, and there were no more rocks for them to be dashed upon as they had been a million times before this night. (laughs) The man who was once a ghost zombie of some sort turned back to them and smiled a serene smile. He was a rugged sort, but handsome, with a large mustache and a tall, parted, and pomaded hairstyle. He had a bright smile that pierced even the darkness around them. He held the candle out to Peggy, and she took it gingerly from him, smiling in return. Chris walked up to Peggy and placed her hand on her shoulder, having been watching all of this with complete awe on her face, and was still dumbstruck at what was happening. The man nodded to them and turned and it was as if the radiance of his newly returned humanity blinded everything around them into pure white. (laughs) Peggy and Chris's eyes took a long time to adjust to the light and the darkness that followed, but they were surprised to find themselves returned to the bottom of the lighthouse spiral staircase, which was returned completely to normal as it had been when they arrived. These ghosts are fucking architects, (laughs) man. No, it was much less dilapidated, much less harmed by the ravages of time. But even more jarring, all of the evidence that there had once been a crime scene at this old lighthouse by the sea was gone. What? No police tape, no leftover chalk, no signs of a botched and or half-assed investigation by a group of corrupt leeches on society that offer no service and demand the ability to kill on whim. No, the cops had never been here. What the dink just happened, Chris said, rubbing at her eyes. How did you know old bloaty needed the candle to begin with? What are you, fucking girl Columbo? Girl Lumbo? I used the power of deductive reasoning, Peggy shouted, posing with two peace signs straight out at Chris and smiling with a beaming metal grin. She, of course, dropped the candle when she did this and scrambled to pick it back up as fast as she could. (laughs) As always in these instances, it had gone out the moment there wasn't anything freaky-deaky or dead nearby. (laughs) Freaky-deaky. I could still drown you, Chris warned. (laughs) Let's go back and have some celebration pizza instead, Peggy said, wrapping an arm around Chris and leading her towards the door. We gotta go find puzzles anyway. 
I still can't fucking believe you! The sound of rain and thunder masked the incredulousness that Chris spewed the entire way back to Greasy's Pizzerama and Skee-Ball Funporium. So I'll save you the screaming and the name-calling and everything for next time. Gotta leave something to the imagination. But when the two of them walked back into Greasy's, Chris couldn't help but notice the photograph behind the counter of the founders of the place. The small gold plaque at the bottom was completely gone, and two new faces were front and center alongside everyone who had been there before. She instantly recognized the handsome man with the dark brown eyes and mustache that they had seen at the lighthouse, with a bright smile that could light a room, even in black and white, standing at the center. Standing next to him, wearing a boat captain's hat and holding a large fish up for the camera, was a man who looked very much like him, smiling just as widely and brightly. There was a small bit of writing at the bottom right of the photo she could barely make out, but squinting aided her. It read, through the storm, together again, to many, many years of pizza and family, the the Bernardi brothers. (laughs) The end. P.S. Oh, shit. Puzzles the Cat was found by the chef at Greasy's Pizza about 20 minutes after he'd run from the lighthouse. He was renamed Cheesy and has lived there ever since. Turns out the secret (laughs) ingredient in the Stromboli, it's just people. Oh, my God. Thank God. Oh, my God. The end for real. Oh, that was so good. Yeah, I loved that. Thank you. I love the failing up twins. <laughs> uh, They're so fun. Are they related to what's her name? Who? Uh, the 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 peace signs thing. Uh, oh, Myrtle Smelly. Myrtle, Myrtle Smelly. Yeah. They're not related to Myrtle Smelly. <laughs> okay, I'm putting clues together here. Uh, I don't sure? think I don't think there are any secret relationship. Well, actually, there is a secret relationship between two uh, two different stories that I don't think anybody's picked up on. It's Myrtle uh, Smelly, isn't it? No, it's not Myrtle Smelly. Yeah, we'll see. Hmm. <laughs> I stayed hmm. quiet for a large part of that story because I'm sniffing like a madman because my nose is running. Because you're doing coke? <laughs> no, you're unfortunately like a madman not. because the emotions of the story were it too was, much for It was. It was. It was too sad. I was worried about the cat. Yeah, I was too. Honestly, uh, like I really needed to know that cat was okay. Cheesy is fine. Che- cheesy lives a long life eating cheesy. pizza when they shouldn't be giving it pizza. But they yeah, that's bad. <laughs> Jeff did one of those stories that you search the internet for to find out if the pet dies. Yep. When it starts, <laughs> does the cat die? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. no I can't fine. take it. I can't either. No, there are days when I can't take it. No, Puzzles lives. I would never kill a cat. Come on. (laughs) We only kill dogs on this podcast. I would never kill a dog in a story either. You can can rest assured if there's a pet in a story, they're going to survive. I killed Crinkles, but he wasn't really a dog. He was a dog man. He was a dog man. I'm making no such promises. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Monster. This guy kill- is going to kill a puppy just to get ratings during sweeps over here. <laughs> I will kill anyone, anything for my stories. Jesus, you, you love, man. You love Grissom? How much do you love Grissom? I don't. I hate him. I hate Better not kill him. Don't kill Yeah, they're all terrible. Don't bother. Yeah. yeah. If, if, if we don't get up to $500 worth of patronage Jesus. by Jesus. July, uh, I'm going to kill Grissom. That's five times what we're already getting or something. <laughs> <laughs> You're um, gonna kill Grissom? Shit! No, no, I'm not gonna kill 
Pledge so now! The, uh, the, the Candle Cousins are really fun to write because I get to do, like, a, a happy ending. Yeah. For mm-hmm. them. Because it's, it's all, like, Are You Afraid of the Dark is what yeah. I'm aiming for with yeah. the Candle Cousins. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it's really fun to just have the, these two incredibly annoying people go on an adventure together. <laughs> is that? Are you talking about the Candle Cousins, or are you talking about uh, you and us? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Which one is it? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you'll have to give us the five hundred dollars. <laughs> Hell yeah! Pledge now. We're gonna lock everything behind the five hundred dollar paywall. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> I disappointed a lot of people with that story because they were all like, "Oh, it's thunderstorms. Jeff is gonna do a Frankenstein story." But uh, if well, if you if you know, you know, uh, the Frankenstein in the book has nothing to do with thunderstorms. Yeah, it's a hailstorm in the book. He he's made with chemicals. Like in the book, the storm is in their hearts. <laughs> The storm is the rage he feels when he he heroically murders all of Victor Frankenstein's family members. He yeah. murders that little girl, which is pretty cool. That's in the movie. What's the difference? Movies are just books, but better. Uh, the movie is a whole different story, which is fun. Yeah. I like when he goes to walks on the Arctic Circle, because that doesn't even exist anymore. Mm. Yeah, R.I.P. to the Arctic Circle. Mm. He'd have to swim it now. That happens. That happens in the book where he, he uh, goes to kill Victor Frankenstein, but he's already dead, and he's like, "Ah, this sucks. I guess I'll go in the water." Did you ever watch Penny Dreadful? <laughs> There's a couple of Frankenstein's in that. No, I don't watch. Billy that. Piper is a Frankenstein. She's I don't hot. watch garbage. Yes, you do. It's true. <laughs> you I got me. I also thought it was supposed. To, I thought it was supposed to be good. Like I'm a big Eva Green fan. Uh, yeah, it's because right. she's beautiful. Well, and she's I mean, a good yes. act- actor as well. Sure, sure. Um, but no, I've never watched it because I, he- I heard it's good, but I never. It's one of those things you never get around to watching. There's only it's... one true Frankenstein in media, and it's Frankenstein PI. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all know that. It's yeah, a true. Frankenstein. A Frankenstein. <laughs> oh my god! It's a Frankenstein. <laughs> oh my god. Um, that was a great story, dude. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm I, I was a little last. worried about that one. Yeah, you said earlier, like, oh my god, I've written a shit story because it's been no. like a couple of days since I reread it. You're, yeah. a, you're an idiot. I was just thinking back <laughs> on it. I'm. You forget the jokes when you're thinking yeah. back on it, and you're like, I should have put more jokes, but I think it was a that, decent. It was the right amount. That's why I laugh at my own shit because I forgot I totally wrote yeah. some of it. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, same. I don't. I don't laugh at my own shit because I'm a professional. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the difference between you and I, Jeff. I don't laugh at my own shit. I'm a rank amateur. (laughs) 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 That's the secret. If you're just not funny, you won't laugh at your own stuff. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) You tell a horrible, sad story. Yeah, that's the other way to do it. About a bunch of characters you love dying. Mm. Yeah, when who did that? When was that? That was last week, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. At uh, least when oh. people die in my stories, you've only known them for that story. Yeah. I don't just have them. I don't build them up in your heart and then kill them. Yeah, yours kind of deserve it too. Like you write a lot of like, <laughs> shitty ass people. I, I write. Oh, I, there's a part of me that's very much on purpose. Like nobody will feel bad about this asshole yeah. die. <laughs> yeah, this guy deserves it. Yep. 
I do yeah. just in general write a lot of pieces of shit. Like the kids at the fire with the bully kids. Oh, they yeah. deserve yeah. it. Cowboy Bill. Cowboy Bill. Maybe Cowboy deserved Bill. it, maybe not. Cowboy Bob, Cowboy Bill's dad, is still out there somewhere. Yeah. He he <laughs> left the workplace God. before the monster killed everybody in the other story. <laughs> he's in that yeah, he's in that cabin, right? And he doesn't he show up in the cabin at one point? Or is that Bill who has it's like a prequel? I don't remember I there being a cabin. <laughs> Somebody goes to a cabin, they're lost. It's the, the twins, the candle twins. Uh, I don't remember. They're they're not twins, they're cousins. You call them the twins. I do not. Cousins. <laughs> I would I would love for someone to scour both appearances of the candle cousins and point out me calling them twins. I would eat the can- crow. The candle twins. <laughs> On that note, we close the cover on this week's compilation. Um, but sorry, first... sorry, sorry. I accidentally hit it. I accidentally hit it. <laughs> sorry. First, some housekeeping. Can you please wheel out prompt bot, please? Okay, he's coming out. All right. He's out. <laughs> Is he broken? Where's the... Oh, no, he didn't do the... We're not shuffling. He's not shuffling yet. Oh. Do you need him to shuffle? No. It's, um, yeah, shuffle now, please. Uh, the first prompt is Gauntlets by okay. John, future leader Connor. Nice. And nice. then, second prompt, please. Uh, it's Meteors by Heath, what? Count Redonkadonkula Robinson. <laughs> Meteors? Gauntlets Meteors. and Meteors? Yep, that's, that's some... Some wide net we've got to cast there. Meteors yeah. is pretty easy for me, who writes all the cosmic horse shit. Yep. Well, I do, I do sci-fi. Meteors is pretty good for me as well. Gauntlet. There's a space to make a meteor made out of meat. There's a, a spe- meteor. There's a, meteor. There's a yeah. spaceship flying above Grissom's head right now. I can easily make meteors out of that. I don't know where I'm going to get gauntlets for, but let's just see. Gauntlets is pretty easy for old George over here. Yeah. It's fantasy stories. Yeah, Yeah, but you don't always want to go with the easy. No. I'm waiting for the day we have fly and men. Gauntlets have another meeting. It does. Yeah, it could be like a running the gauntlet. Yeah, Yeah. like a gauntlet of challenges. Yeah. Could be. Mm. Guess we'll see next time. (laughs) Um, why are you the host? <laughs> Dude, I had like the weirdest dreams last night, and I swear to God, I'm like not all with it today. Like, I'm like out there. <laughs> we still don't have any new fucking reviews. God oh, damn it! Come on, guys. Pull your weight. Yeah. Like, yeah, come on. Guys. <laughs> like, Come on. We, we, we thrive on reviews. We're like review vampires. We need it to yeah. survive. Um,. Alright, well if we haven't got any reviews we'll just sadly go into the distance into the horizon but thanks to our good friend Vidizen for the use of his music um, you can find out all about Vidizen's work at vidizen.card with two R's dot co um, it's got all the stuff about his albums his collaborations, all his stuff go and support him, he's a sweetheart and we love him I do love that guy uh, you can support us at Bros Before. F- pros slash patreon um the, and what the fuck are you saying 
What is it? It's patreon.com <laughs> slash bros before price. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I didn't write that. I never write that bit down because I'm like, I'll remember that. I'll remember how it goes. But I don't. You're doing great. I'm You're doing, doing so good. All of our good. links can be found at brosb4pros.card.co, by the way. It's two R's. Card with two R's. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> I never I never stick the land in. I'm all right at the start. I never stick the land in. Um, it's, we just read three stories in a row. Think yeah. about it like this, right? Like, we just read, like three short stories it's like watching like three cartoons in a row we read an entire reader's digest out loud yeah Yeah. and and spoilers we're gonna we're gonna make a new story in about 10 minutes oh my god to to find to hear that to hear our take on a a beloved ip you're gonna have to be a patron Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what 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 ip will it be well, you're going to have to pay to find out. I don't make the rules. Well, I do. I make a third of the rules. Um, Everyone's favorite IP, A. Frankenstein. <laughs> I'd love to hear you guys' take on A. Frankenstein, actually. Because- he kills a little girl. Mm. <laughs> yep. You're, you're like... You're missing the best of Frankenstein, where he actively hunts everyone related to Victor Frankenstein and violently murders them one by one. Mary Shelley was going through some shit, right? <laughs> they were all like, it's rainy, it's summer, it's cold. Fuck scientists. Fuck this. <laughs> yeah. So, if you want to suggest prompts, listen to our sidecast, support the show, you can head over to Patreon. Patreon. Uh, you can also head over to Twitter um, and follow us there at Bros Before Pros Pod and write a message uh, or you know retweet our shows, like us, send us to your friends. Not us physically, but you know send our product to your. <laughs> that sounds like a drug deal. Uh, I'm gonna how much money they're putting down, yeah, whether they yeah. can send us physically or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, for high tiers, you might get a kiss. Although, be warned, we're all ill. <laughs> We've all been ill. I'm this ill. Year. Ironically, like, I'm Beastie like, Boys. <laughs> ironically, I'm the least sick person on the podcast. <laughs> You're the one who started it, though. You're the one who started this horrible I, plague. I'm the outbreak monkey. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Way to go, Marcel. Guys, Jeff, you can go first this week. Um, okay. What do you want? What do you want to tell people about? Uh, I can tell people about anything. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Why not? It's your, it's your soapbox for a, a five minutes. Go. Uh, damn. Um, check out the martial arts series High and Low on Netflix. That shit fucking <laughs> rules. It's so good. Jeff gets a dime every time he mentions High and Low. <laughs> I get nothing, but I think it's worth it. Um, you you get f- karate points. <laughs> I can. One of these days, I'll be Clint Karate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can find my art at jeffpennington.art. You can find my uh, Twitter at underscore Jeff Pennington. You can, um, I don't know, have a good time. Enjoy your life. <laughs> <laughs> I'll check out the, I'm pretty sure everybody who listens to this also listens to M-Class Podcast, but mm-hmm. it's a show I do with Josh and very rarely also Rich. Yeah. Where who? We- <laughs> we uh bitch bastards you know him of a jeff oh the uh rich white honkies yeah. <laughs> old rich honky old rich honky the uh 
it's a show where we review episodes of Star Trek from across the gamut, and it's uh, it's a fun ass time if you like this show. Very similar sense of humor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. they talk about male pattern balding for twenty minutes. Hey, you're not bald, so I don't want to hear. I it. don't remember this happening, but it sounds on <laughs> brand. Yeah. What episode is this? Like two years ago? It's the last what one. The, the Doomsday Machine. What? That's not the last one. Oh no, the one before. One came out yesterday, didn't it? Yeah. Come Sorry, on. Sorry, I'm Rich. behind. What do you want people to find you on the internet? I'm taking over. People I'm the host to... now. <laughs> I want people to listen to this show. Tell your mom about it. Tell your cousin twins about it. <laughs> tell you, tell your dog man about it. <laughs> tell your dog man about it. This maybe show not rules. this episode. No, this episode rules. Don't tell your dogmen about this episode. <laughs> this, oh. The stories were good. It's just, you know, this section of it where we're all tired and we know we've got another hour to speak. We're just, yeah. we're, we're struggling right now. It's um, rough. It's been a rough couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it. I don't care. Do whatever you want. <laughs> um, you can, all right, Chris. <laughs> I don't do whatever you want. I don't care. I got fucking titty balls. Um, <laughs> you can follow my other two podcasts, Toon Hounds at Toon Hounds, uh, which is a cartoon podcast, or at Upon on Subspace. We've got a new episode coming out soon, which is a, a Star Trek comedy drama. Um, this it's not dude really got, tampon. This dude's got two other podcasts. Yeah, I know. I know. No, it's, it's ridiculous. It's becoming right. very difficult to manage the, the podcasts and the social life. Let's just say that. <laughs> Luckily, Sorry. I don't have one of those anymore. I, dude, we're almost forty. What social life do we fucking have? Yeah, that's true. That is true. I'm not. I'm a fresh faced baby boy. Yeah, God, this child yeah, over I'm here baby. talking about baby Jeff. I got SATs to take. <laughs> Um, Look, prom's tomorrow! (laughs) (laughs) We'll Mm -hmm. see you guys in two weeks for more Bros Before Pros legendary stories. We love you. Thank you very much for listening and good night. I tolerate you. (laughs) Damn. Well, bye. (laughs) 